The Manage Smarter Show is brought to you by SalesQuid, the app that helps salespeople discover why they miss quota and what to do about it. Find out more at salescred.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. People before process. How do you realistically really make that happen while you're improving everyone's efficiency and profitability? Lee, any thoughts? This is a great topic. Well, you know, business always works best when you put people ahead of progress and and progress then ahead of process. So, but it's always people first. And, you know, the most successful businesses subscribe to that. And so we expect to hear some more about that today. Absolutely. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith, the CEO and founder of SalesFuel. So give Sandra Holling the business equivalent of, oh, maybe a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, and she can make it look like the picture on the box. And quickly, as founder of the Data Mavens, I love that name, (laughs) she's dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and executives design um, their workflow and systems that feel organized, have a peace of mind they provide, and prioritize what matters most to them. Sandra is an expert on platforms. Platforms like Dell Tech, Vision, Notion, and ClickUp, but a real priority is helping you develop better work habits by achieving what she calls aligned productivity. That is to say, aligning your work with your values. And welcome, Sandra. And I can say I've worked for companies that don't put people before process, and it can be a pretty miserable pl- place to be environmentally. Yeah. It really can, right? Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be here. All right. So, 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 do you work on the corners first? So when you put the jigsaw puzzle together, <laughs> I totally do. do yeah, absolutely. I'm an edge person first. Okay. Totally. So, so the corners would be analogous to what in in your pro in your uh, your business consulting. That's a great question. I love that question. So, what I would consider the corners is like a business process mapping. So, sitting down and saying, usually it starts with marketing, but it could start with delivery depending on the business. So, what's your traffic strategy? How are you creating awareness? Where are people coming from? What's the onboarding and sales process? What's the nurture process? All of these things, mapping them out. My favorite tool for that is Miro. Um, And getting really clear about literally what are the edges, like, right? Because the other thing that that can do is open up the door to more detailed conversations about uh, SOPs or who's responsible for what and how those handoffs are being handled. And when you have the lay of the land, then you can start making more uh, you know, detailed decisions or evaluations. So in terms of processes, though, like at what point when you're mapping that stuff out and people before processes, the line that we're talking about, does the process part become micromanaging? The reason I ask this, and Lee will know, um, I work for a hotel company that has processes down to the part, par- down to when you put a pen on a pad of paper in a room, the pen goes this left to right at this 45 degree. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too, well, it's I too much. When, when, in a hotel, my suspicion is that that is as equal um, equal parts branding as mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. process, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a nuance there that doesn't necessarily apply. Like somebody who's running an online business, where their pens go probably don't matter. But right. in a hotel, it's that consistency down to the smell when you walk in the room or whatever, right? Um, so I think that. Uh, 
it really depends on the nature of the business. Yes. So uh, the smaller you are, that's really going to make a difference. Um, I think, and I work mostly with uh, you know smaller businesses under a million and in gross, um, and and they tend to like really need to. And this is where the people first thing comes. Uh, hire people that they can fully hand off ownership to. Right? Uh, There's a difference between um, delegating and uh, like deciding, right? So delegating, it's like handing it, handing it out, but not handing over that decision piece, right? If you hand over the decision, then the person in that role can decide how it gets done. They get to decide the angle of the pen, so to speak. Um, and those people fit into your organization in a different role than somebody who's there just to execute a process you've already decided about. Well, and, and what I see that, about that hotel and relating that to other businesses that if you are in a business then that you know that's known for their attention to detail you know and that's part of the brand is that you can pay attention to detail i would think that you, your website then can't be sloppy it can't have error messages and outdated links and everything like that and you know the people that you want to hire needs to be people that have a high attention to detail would that be right yeah i would say absolutely so one of the things I think about first in hiring um, is looking at where the values match, um, because it, you don't you also don't want to hire many me's. So it would be really easy uh -huh. for me to hire like a bunch of other super nerdy database people who are like great with. But it actually helps me for my right hand person to be a little bit more of a bigger picture thinker because she'll pull me out of the weeds sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think there's balance to be had depending on the role and the function and uh, you know, who that particular person interfaces with most and how those roles need to interact and, and you know, balance each other out. One of the things I always subscribe to is, is uh, a mantra from David Ogilvy, uh, who was the founder of Ogilvy and Mather, at the time one of the largest advertising agencies uh, in the world. He always used to say, always hire people that are better than you. In some ways, some, some fashions, hire somebody that's better than you at something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, smarter so that, than you, better than you at yeah. something, right? And and it really puts you in the place of uh, being able to trust them easier and and more quickly and in more implicitly. And and also that just because you don't know the technical nuances of, of something that you may have hired for doesn't mean that you can't manage or coach them through that role, right? So I think what I see in some of the smaller businesses is um, they can be a little afraid of that, like, uh, that the, the person's going to take and kind of run with it. But that's actually in your favor. Like if you really can trust what they're doing and you're giving them outcomes that you're looking for and you can kind of coach them through the process as opposed to having to detail every single little thing. So for the end user, so I'm an employee and um, you are obviously changing processes, trying to make, like you said, more efficient and profitable business through tweaks and your people first, which is very nice but I'm just not wanting to buy into this. And how do you advise businesses to sort of help people along? One of the examples Lee and I were talking about before you came in the room, Sandra, was the whole quiet quitting trend that these young people are just like, you know what, I, I don't have to do this and I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. what, what's the latest on that and coaching people up or are you seeing some people yeah. who resist this, I mean, they should be appreciative that it's people first, but. Well, I think, you know, there's so many facets to this, but yeah. um, the quiet quitting in particular, uh, I think that often comes out of a, from my perspective, a more traditional um, 
evaluation process. So if you're the sort of organization where you're only evaluating your employees every six months to a year, uh, there's going to be a disconnect between what that manager thinks you're up to, what the person really thinks they should be working on. There's just, there isn't the same level of uh, connection and interaction. Whereas if you adopt an ongoing evaluation process oh, so that okay. you you have a one-on-one, whether it's weekly or uh, biweekly or even monthly can be better than, than uh, you know, every six months to every 12 months. And you're using the areas of responsibility as a kind of a pinpoint for discussion. It's, it's very similar to like you outline an SOP and then you need to have a conversation with an employee who isn't following the SOP. You have that conversation through the, the lens of the SOP. You don't say, hey, you didn't do this detail. You say, hey, you skipped step two. Can you tell me what's going on? I and see. like point it back to where what we're saying is the sort of foundational agreement, whether that's a document or an outline or whatever, and then go from there. So I think it's more frequent conversations, a more fluid process for evaluating performance and and motivating um, employees and and also uh, not being afraid of attrition uh, because I, I had one client in particular years ago who she wanted me to coach some of her team and, and then like the, the week before she calls me in a panic worried about attrition and I said, here's the deal. If somebody decides to leave as, the, as a result of us doing this workshop, do you really want them on the team? Right. And as soon as I like said that it clicked for her, like, no, we're, what we're doing is a team building exercise and we're going to put the problems on the board and we're going to talk through them. And if somebody is feeling uh, frustrated or like they don't fit into the model after we come up with those solutions, they probably don't belong. So like, what if you had that harder, admittedly conscious conversation with them and said, say, hey, I think that this may not be the actual best position for you and I wanna help you and mentor you so that you can move on to something where you're a better fit because it does not serve your team to have weak links, period. Well, I mean, how you deal with somebody like that that feels threatened and mm -hmm. let's say that you wanna keep them on board, you don't mm -hmm. wanna see them leave or whatever because they're valuable in some, some way, shape or form, mm -hmm. but they feel threatened by the change that, that's being thrust upon them. Yeah, so I think change management is a very sensitive topic and um, this is where the people before process piece comes in. And it's, it really is, uh, you know, there's some elements where either, I don't, I don't wanna say like get HR involved in the normal sense, but you have to be willing to deal with the emotional aspects. Like humans come to work with emotions. And mm -hmm. sometimes we operate like that's not the reality, right? So creating safe space, which means um, validating being empathetic, uh, allowing for understanding or saying, um, you know, that's interesting. I hadn't seen it that way before. Can you please elaborate? Like calling out more discussion as opposed to um, dismissing or shutting down. And that can be that can be tricky in the verbal language. And that's where I say sometimes having HR coach you through that, um, whether it's an outside consultant, if you're a small business or someone internally, depending on the size of your organization, can make a big difference. So that's one of the challenges that I have with it when you put people ahead of process. And of course, I, I, I believe you always should. And longtime listeners of this show know that I absolutely hate annual reviews, just, just putting that out there. But it's like the thing is that we need to be adaptive, though, to mm -hmm. their emotions, you know, how they're going to handle certain situations or the employee might have had a very good reason for skipping step number two. 
on the SOP. So it's like, you know, we can't be so rigid then into the process that we need to be able to adapt that either to the moment, the situation, the person or what the or, you know, what today's person might be going through versus you know, the person that we knew a month ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 100%. I co-sign that. Does make any that. sense? Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. What, how much of this is, though, Lee, to your credit, what, is trying to hire lifelong learners, people that are down with that, mm-hmm. and that's their jam? Because, for example, just as a little case study for sales fuel, you know, we we had HubSpot, and we made a change to active campaign, and you know, we could have had, I don't, not one person in our company said, I, oh God, I got to learn something new and migrate all this stuff over. And no, it was like, I was excited to learn something different. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some people that don't like change and don't, don't want to learn something new. And so how, mm-hmm. how do you work with that? I don't think that's HR. Isn't that a supervisor conversation? Yeah. Like, I mean, it, I, I like, I like pulling in HR when I think there are sensitive emotions on the table. Okay. That's, that's my flag for that. Um, I agree that, that if it's someone who's just like resistant to change, then I think we have to look at for me, that would be a question of zooming out. What are the organization's values? Are Is this an organization that values fast pace and quick decision making? And then how good of a fit is that person, right? Or is it a larger organization who just by the nature of things is going to move a little slower because more people have to be involved? And and then um, allowing space for that person to have maybe a little extra training or a little more time to adapt or whatever the case may be. Um, and then That's also... Uh, being willing, and this is where I think you're, you are heading, Audrey, is the line in the sand as the supervisor does have to have that line in the sand of saying, okay, I get it. This is scary. You've been doing it this way for 10 years and now we're changing. And, and the empathy comes first. That is the people first. And then process comes second and saying like, here's how we're going to handle this. Here's how we're going to mentor you. We're going to support you and regular check-ins on it. And then here's the deadline where we are switching. And, and, and now this is the new way of doing things. That's good. How much of this is generational? We have like five or six generations in the workplace right now. Yeah, it absolutely so much all of it. Super, <laughs> yeah. super different. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because this isn't a one one Sandra Halling process applies to all. I know. That yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. It's a fair question. I would say uh, there are a lot of generations in the workforce. And the thing I would actually caution on is to not make that assumption that it is generational because I have some 68 year old clients that are whipping through ConvertKit like nobody's business. And I've got 20 year old clients who are like scared of Instagram. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't always add up the way we think it does. And so it's really easy to jump to that as like, oh, they're a millennial. And the reality is that that, that may have absolutely nothing to do with why their preference is there. So my first thing is like, let's not jump to the conclusion. And then the second thing is, you know, of course, the cliches exist, because in some ways, they are true, right? So like, allowing for that also, and saying, um, you know, maybe there is room for having a little bit more space for somebody who tech takes a little longer for them to pick up or whatever that case may be. So again, I go back to empathy first, process second. Yeah, I mean, the point there, I think the big takeaway there is that, you know, you can't just go on any broad group of people in making general wide sweeping generalizations there is just a recipe for trouble, I think, because, you know, my, my oldest son is 26 going on 60. So, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, so it's like, how you would think, oh, he's Gen Z on the cusp of, you know, maybe being a millennial or something like that, however it shakes out. But it's like, you know, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. 
everybody's different. Mm -hmm. So you really have to coach, for example, and develop people uh, to their own strengths, weaknesses, natural tendencies, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, we coach the what based on the who, right? So uh, you just there are nuances there and having those exploratory conversations is usually where it needs to start. The datamavens.com is your website. We've got a few minutes left, Sandra. So we did, we neglected to ask you for your definition of aligned productivity, which is like, so what <laughs> so, is oh, that? Yeah. My, yeah. That? We should have yeah, started yeah, yeah. there, I guess. Wrap up on. Yeah. Um, so the aligned productivity, to me, it's really about aligning your daily actions with your values. So on a personal level, that can be looking at, you know, what is your future identity? Do you want to be a fit person or a, um, a, a Montessori mom or whatever, whatever that identity is for you? And then what are the actions that help you live up to that identity? Um, as a business, it may be that you highly value equality. And so you want to design a benefits plan that uh, embodies equality. So that's that's what aligned productivity is. And it can look differently at a you know micro level versus a macro level. Interesting. Well, so you've got for your social media, everybody, um, she's, you, it's not all under one name. Do you want me to go through Yeah, some of we these? were in the midst, I think, of uh, switching <laughs> brands when we booked the show. So I'll oh. give updated information so people can find me a little more easier. So yeah, go ahead. If you're, up. yeah, if you're, if you're an individual and you're interested in aligned productivity for yourself, personally, I would go to my website, feelmoreproductive.com. Uh, and that's where all the information on our community is. If you're interested in tech support or consulting, then you can find me at sandrafixmytech.com. Oh, I love that. But the datamavens.com, is that still? No, that good? will redirect okay. to feel more productive at this feel point. Feel more productive. Okay, mm -hmm. I will make sure the show notes are current for everybody. Awesome. This has been great. <laughs> I, I think it's a topic that's never ending, can always be improved upon in terms of execution. So yeah, totally. It really is. And it, it it's uh, progress, not perfection, right? Like we're going to dive mm -hmm. into putting the people first and we're going to blunder because we are also people and having self-compassion there is really important. And then trying it on for size again. Well, thanks, Sandra, for being on the show. We appreciate it. This was yeah. fascinating. Mm -hmm. It was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>